Uh, we'll hear argument now in number 93639, Sylvia S. versus the Florida Department of Professional Regulation. Uh, Ms. Ibanez. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, this case presents an important commercial speech issue, specifically whether the Board of Accounting censure of petitioner's truthful communications in attorney advertising violate her First Amendment rights. The truthful speech in question consists consists of the CPA and the CFP credentials, which communicate licensure status. Petitioner is indeed a CPA licensed in good standing by the state of Florida. Petitioner is indeed a CFP licensee in good standing. The board has acknowledged and agreed in accepting these findings of facts. The board says no, that these truthful communications are somehow not uh, are somehow misleading. In doing so, it charges petitioner with its deceptive advertising statute and regulation. It does so by using a contrived rationale. It uses a complex, hypothetical, and irrelevant argument that attempts to transform what is truthful speech into violative conduct. The record is devoid of anyone having been misled. The record is absolutely devoid of any violative conduct. The record does disclose that no one has been misled as to petitioner's truthful speech contained within her attorney advertising. Thus, the board is punishing petitioner for truthful speech. There are no charges as to conduct. And the BOA, the Board of Accounting Censure of uh, petitioner's truthful speech provides no latitude. It constitutes a ban. Ms. Ibanez, may I um, inquire of you? you uh, do you acknowledge that you uh, engage in public accounting on occasion? Your Honor, the record is clear. The petitioner has maintained that she does not practice public accounting. She practices law. She does this by choice because she is authorized to practice public accounting. The board, however... If you did practice public accounting, you recognize that... Uh, you have to abide by the regulations of the Board of Public Accounting? Your Honor, I believe that uh, anyone who practices public accounting or doesn't practice public accounting is subject to Chapter 473. Mm -hmm. Yes, And did you take a different position earlier in the litigation? No, Your Honor, I believe that the entire record of the rule challenge proceedings clearly states that petitioner um, understands that Chapter 473 has two different layers of regulation. The first layer covers all CPAs, good moral conduct, continuing education requirements, and so forth and so on. There is a second layer of regulation that by the express provisions of Chapter 473 and some of the rules are conditioned on the practice of public accounting. Uh, reading the briefs, I got the impression that, that the position uh, you've taken has shifted somewhat during the course of the proceedings. Uh, Your Honor, I believe the record is clear that in the rule challenge proceedings, a lot of hypothetical questions were posed. That was not the disciplinary proceeding. Um, and the questions, I believe, and the answers are consistent. Mm -hmm. the record it, it, does the board take the position that uh, your law firm somehow has to be um, licensed or authorized as, uh, by the board of accounting? Your Honor, Accountancy? It, it appears that initially the board thought so, uh, it included a charge in the amended complaint, 
But even after hearing petitioner's opinions in the rule challenge proceeding, it decided to withdraw that charge mm -hmm. just a few mere days before the disciplinary hearing. The record is clear. So and there has been no conduct. While I have you interrupted, um, the, the CFP uh, designation after your name in the advertisement, um, how is somebody reading that ad supposed to verify what that means and uh, whether you're a member in good standing of whatever that organization is? Your Honor, the record is clear at the disciplinary transcript found at the Joint Appendix that the public is very well aware and informed about the CFP credential and considers it quite valuable. Uh, Mr. Robert Goss, the expert witness, spoke about the hundreds of calls that they get uh, about referrals from the CFP organization. It is a national bona fide organization. There are strict requirements as to a comprehensive examination to be in but good standing. But your advertisement at least doesn't make any explanation wh about what that is or who has issued the certificate, I take it. Your Honor, this CF CPA and CFP within the context of attorney advertisement and in the case of a multiple licensed professional such as petitioner is, um, clearly uh, could disclose some disclaimers in connection to the... Excuse me, the question I asked was whether your advertisement, the one at issue here, had any explanation about the CFP designation. No, Your Honor. Thank you. Well, could, could the state require some um, explanation of, of the certified financial planner designation? I believe that the state could certainly require as to the CPA some disclaimer, and that disclaimer is the threshold issue, and that disclaimer would cover the CFP issue. The CFP issue would come later, because this is in the context of attorney advertising. I'm, I'm not sure that I understood your answer. I think it was a concise answer, but you're saying that the state could require this of an, of an account, but not of an attorney? Uh, your Honor, I believe in the context of attorney advertisement, the CPA credential, which is the credential uh, uh, regulated by the board, certainly the board can regulate for some disclaimer language. It has not done so here. In other words, your position then is that a state may require some sort of disclaimer or explanation of the use of the term C, uh, Certified Financial Planner, CFP, uh, either when that is used by someone in conjunction with advertising uh, their services as an attorney or in advertising their services as an accountant? Yes, Your Honor, with the following qualification, if I may. Uh, because it's the CPA credential that's the threshold issue, if there was a disclaimer or additional information required of a CPA licensee within attorney advertising that would say, for example, not engaged in public accounting, or a positive disclaimer that says uh, attorney engaged in the practice of law, then that disclaimer would serve as to all other multiple credentials, whether a petitioner includes two, three, or four credentials that are all on its face, truthful communications, rather than require a petitioner to add disclaimers to every credential. I believe that would only confuse the public. I don't understand why there's concern about the lack of uh, information as to what the letters mean. After all, uh, physicians use MD. There are a lot of people that don't know what that means. And I, I don't recall anybody ever requiring an explanation of MD. Now we're uh, developing the practice among lawyers of using ESQ, uh, Esquire. 
Yes, Your Honor. May I ask you, you said there are two levels of uh, regulation by the uh, Accountancy Board, and you comply with one about your general qualifications. I gather you do not comply with the different level. Your Honor, petitioner has not been charged as to whether she complies or doesn't comply regarding the allegation of unlicensed firm status. Only when she is confronted directly and not um, indirectly. Uh, can she be afforded her due process rights? And then there can be a conclusion and not a summary conclusion about whether she has violated this provision or not. What, what, just help me out a little bit. What, what is the nature of the, the second layer of regulation? What are we talking about anyway? What, what do they require that arguably you may or may not do? I'm not asking you to plead guilty, but what is it that we're talking about here? Uh, Your Honor, I understand the Board's position. Uh, Chapter 473 and various of its statutes and in some of its regulations thereunder actually couch uh, the regulations and the statutes with the phrase uh, only if engaged in the practice of public accounting. So apparently there is some concern from the state that in some areas this would apply to only CPAs in public accounting and not to other CPAs engaged in the practice of law or banking or other professions. I still don't understand what this second layer of regulation Regulate. What does it make you do or forbid you from doing? I mean, I, what, 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 how could you possibly violate that? I don't even understand that. Well, I could possibly think of one example in the area of contingency fees, for example. Uh, there is a provision that says CPAs may not accept, uh, in the form of remuneration, contingency fees. Uh, that is a regulation of conduct. Certainly the board can regulate conduct. This is an ample regulatory arsenal to regulate conduct. But that would be contingency fees for performing accounting services. Yes, Your Honor. And you're saying if you took a contingency fee for, for handling a lawsuit, that should not violate that provision. Yes, Your Honor. And that is not part of your record. These are hypothetical musings of the board. Um, Were you ever told, was petitioner ever told expressly uh, what she must do to bring herself into compliance with the regulation that she was censured for violating? No, Your Honor. The record is clear that she was never even given the opportunity. Uh, the, the board uses the phrase refuse. She refuses to comply. She refuses to comply. There is nothing in the record to show that she's ever been offered. First of all, she was never charged. And then she was never offered to then comply because of the charge. She could not have refused if she was not offered. In, in your view, does the state have a valid interest uh, in, in prohibiting the, uh, uh, the um, formation of an accounting firm which includes non-accountants, or non-CPAs, I should say? I believe there are some provisions under Chapter 470. Well, I know there's a provision, but do you, do you agree that it is a valid provision? Yes, Your Honor. I have, I have no uh, problems with any of the regulations of the Board of Including the regulation that requires separate firm registration. Yes, Your Honor. All those regulate conduct, and I believe those are perfectly permissible. Okay. Do you happen to know whether in Florida uh, uh, CPAs can list, uh, who are practicing CPAs, they, they're accountants, can they list the fact that they're lawyers? Excuse me, if I understand the question. Could a CPA, with, I, perhaps I should ask your opponent this rather than you, but could a CPA without violating the regulations, when it's practicing CPA, does tax work and audits and all that sort of stuff, could such a CPA put on his or her business card also a member of the Florida Bar? I am not quite sure what the answer would be to that question. I believe that Professor John Sullivan in the rule challenge proceedings indicated that CPAs um, in accounting fee practices may certainly add JD or Esquire along with CPA. 
So when the shoe is on the other foot, it is all right. Well, from a constitutional standpoint, what's your answer to that question? I believe it is constitutionally uh, permitted. It, it, in other words, there's a constitutional right for an accountant to say that who's practicing as an accountant to list on their letterhead or in their uh, professional uh, announcement the fact that they are an attorney. Yes, Your Honor. I think that the, this court's commercial speech cases in the area of attorney advertising clearly articulate um, the doctrine of truthful speech on its face, passive speech, non-coercive, relevant to the listener, because the public interest is very well served by providing them more information, not less. One other question. Uh, since you indicate, uh, I think this was your position, that a, a disclaimer or an explanation uh, of CFP might be required, um, should this case be remanded? No, Your Honor. I believe the Board's decision in its order is clear. They use the advertising rule, subsection I, which is an absolute prohibition on the use of the word certified. Subsection I does not give leeway for adding disclaimers. In addition, this case represents a separate discipline. So even though the case of Peel versus Illinois Regulatory Commission certainly applies to this case and provides protection, constitutional protection to the speech in this case, certainly goes beyond. We're in an era where Many individuals and professionals seek higher education, seek to better themselves for their own um, uh, reasons, but mostly so that they can offer additional competence to the public. Do I understand your answer to Justice Kennedy to say that you, you were faced with a total prohibition and there might not be any controversy if the board came back with something specific? You might agree with it, and there might not be any controversy? That yes, Your Honor, if I may clarify. Because there are multiple licenses here, whether there were two or three, if the threshold issue is, can the state regulate and add or restrict the CPA credential by adding more information and, more, and a disclaimer, certainly that is always a possibility and consistent with this Court's decisions. However, to the extent that there are additional licenses, to what point does, at what point does it begin to chill the speech? If there are two credentials or three credentials, uh, is the professional then supposed to add a disclaimer to each credential or just the threshold credential that the Board of Accountancy was trying to clarify? But that remains hypothetical at this point because we don't have any specifics of what a clarification might be. Yes, Your Honor, right now it's hypothetical. The Board could have chosen that route to um, add more information uh, to the CPA credentials, certainly could have regulated a disclaimer or an asterisk regarding CPA. It has not done so, but it may certainly do so, and that is a more reasonable form of regulation than totally inhibiting and suppressing truthful speech that deserves constitutional protection. The petitioner's speech is truthful. No one has been misled. It is non-coercive. It communicates valuable information. The truthful speech deserves constitutional protection, not so much to protect petitioner, but to protect listeners. This court has said time and time again, it is the listeners' rights that we are protecting here, not so much the speakers. The public interest is well served by providing disclosure of relevant information to help potential legal clients, and certainly this is the context presented before the court, attorney information in attorney advertisement. 
So it is definitely directed to potential legal clients. Certainly it is relevant to their decision-making process in helping them choose a lawyer. The Federal Trade Commission has a staff report that we have cited in our brief regarding the additional information disclosures that should be encouraged and not censured when an attorney attempts to help in this decision-making process that only benefits the marketplace of ideas. The Central Hudson test, which is a balancing test well known and applied by this court in the attorney advertising cases, requires a balancing test. When the speech is truthful as it is here and deserves constitutional protection, then the state has a heavy burden. The state must have a constitutionally adequate reason to suppress petitioners' commercial speech. The state, in this case the Board of Accounting, has not met its burden. As recent as in the 1993 decision of Aidenfield versus Spain, this court has reiterated that the burden of providing substantial government interest um, in suppressing petitioners' truthful speech must directly advance the government's goal, in this case, the Board of Accounting's interest. In this case, there is no substantial government interest. Well, I, I think when you come to the use of certif- CFP, which stands, I guess, for Certified Financial Planner. Yes, Your Honor. Um, I would think that at the very least, you would have to acknowledge there is a potential there that the public will be misled into thinking that somehow the state has certified um, you as a certified financial planner. And in fact, this is a certificate issued by some private organization, as I understand it. And uh, so I would think there would be that much of a concern there um, at the state level that might justify um, either an outright ban or some kind of a disclaimer. Yes, Your Honor, but the substantial government interest, I believe, answers the question as to which credential should this additional disclaimer or information be provided to. Certainly, the board does not own the word certified, so it's whether, it, whether it's certified pilot, certified financial planner, certified engineer. It certainly cannot be the word certified that does it. So the interest as to disclaimer and more information, I believe, is to the threshold question of can the Board of Accounting, could it have regulated in a more reasonable way? Is there a more reasonable fit? And yes, a disclaimer to the CPA credential, and that would have cured any possibility of potentially misleading effect regarding any of the other credentials. How, how, could, that, how could that be? What, what disclaimer attached to the uh, CPA would make it clear that the CFP is not a state credential? Justice Scalia, very simply, if there's an asterisk to the CPA credential not engaged in public accounting, yes. that would cure all misleading effects because the advertising rule says it's subsection 2. This only applies to public accounting advertising. And this is attorney advertising. So that disclaimer would cure as, not only as to the CFP credential, but as to any other credential. Well, it, I see. It, it, would, it would prevent you from misleading any people looking for accountants. It would not prevent you from misleading people looking for lawyers. But you're saying that's none of the board's business, I suppose. Your Honor, anyone looking for lawyers has found a lawyer under the attorney advertising and has found a lawyer that complies. But, but the person with, looking for the, for the lawyer sees CFP uh, next to uh, uh, next to CPA and, and knows that CPA is a, is a state-conferred uh, uh, certificate and assumes that CFP is a state-conferred. And, and you say that's okay because people looking for lawyers deserve what they get. Is that it? <laughs>
Your Honor, I, I will agree with, with Your Honor, but uh, what I would like to say is if the Florida Bar, who is also the state, regulates attorney advertising, and I believe we all agree on that, and they have already indicated that a credential from a recognized institution is all right with them, then obviously the attorney who uses CFP in the bars, in advertising rules, in compliance with the bars rules, is perfectly in compliance. And they do not require disclaimer. What you're saying is that, that people who are being misled are, are people in the market for lawyers, not people in the market for accountants, if there is any misleading. Yes, Your Honor, which we do not believe they are misleading. The Florida misled. Bar takes a position that you're not misleading anybody. Correct, Your Honor. Petitioner would not be before this court if she were attorney at law and CFP and not CPA. Correct, Your Honor. There must be a reasonable fit between the goals of the legislature and the means chosen. And what were the goals of the legislature? The legislature spoke clearly at Section 473.322 Florida Statutes. It says, a CPA who holds an active license may append credentials after his or her name to designate status, connote status. This is speech. This is passive, truthful speech. It's not conduct. I urge the court not to travel this winding, complex road with twists and turns that the Board of Accountancy has put before the court regarding hypothetical conduct that has not even charged petitioner with. May I ask you one other factual question about this winding road? Uh, I'm still somewhat on, I don't really thoroughly understand the second layer of regulation we spoke earlier. Is there a procedure in the Florida regulation of accountants whereby they not only regulate the individual, you, got, you have a license as a CPA as I understand it, but do, if you did want to practice uh, accounting, would you have to get a separate license to have your firm also licensed? Your Honor, in the rules, which are in the rule challenge portion of the proceedings in the exhibits at R377 to 700, you will find Rule 21A20.006, Florida Administrative Code, that says a CPA may practice as a sole proprietor. So if a CPA attorney, such as petitioner or others... That's not my question. My question is, supposing you've got another person who's also an accountant, you are a CPA, you're other person is also a CPA, but you want to practice as a firm of, of X and Y. Do you have to get a third license for the firm to, to do that? The license needs to be, yes, with the firm, you as do. I understand it. I see. And that's what they're really, their, their complaint is, that you don't have such a license. Yes, Your Honor. But and that, you say you don't need it because you're not practicing accounting. Correct. And, and certainly the record has been somewhat misinterpreted uh, regarding the attorneys and CPAs out there who have chosen to practice dual professions. Uh, certainly those are practicing dual professions and, of course, need to license their firm. That is not the case before the court. The public interest is certainly well served by protecting commercial speech. Why? Because it assures free flow of information to the public. In turn, this helps consumers to make more informed and rational decisions. It also encourages competition, which benefits the public. It also benefits small and large businesses alike. For in this marketplace of large law firms, uh, the sole practitioner, the small businessman, the small businesswoman, needs to have the opportunity to truthfully disclose any distinguishing and differentiating factors. 
Let me just, I, I hate to be asking these stupid little questions, but I want to, if, if you just want to be a sole practitioner as a CPA, do you need two licenses or one? As a sole practitioner yeah. without being incorporated? Without, yeah, being incorporated or a partnership. Um, possibly the board can answer that question better than I, but as I understand it, uh, the sole practitioner needs to be individually licensed. Period. I believe so. The public is not easily misled. The Board of Accounting would have this court believe that the public can be um, easily misled, but that is not so. That merely follows a paternalistic argument that has been rejected by this court. The public needs truthful, relevant information to make informed decisions, and petitioner and others like her, multiply licensed, in good standing, communicating truthful speech, should be encouraged and not censured for disclosing it. If there are no further questions of the court, I would reserve the rest of the time for rebuttal. Very well, Ms. Ibanez. Uh, Ms. Nelson, we'll hear from you. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court. The petitioner contends that the Florida Board of Accountancy refuses to allow her to advertise her status as a CPA. That is not actually the case. The state intends to demonstrate that we are here because of petitioner's refusal to offer her services as a CPA in a manner that complies with the law. Although she is individually licensed as a CPA, the firm which she, through which she provides accounting services and which she is advertising does not, is not. She claims she is not providing accounting services. Your Honor, what is there in the record that shows that she is providing accounting services? The record is very clear, and, and Ms. Abanez admitted during hearing that she is providing exactly the same kind of services now, tax representation, interpretation of financial records, um, representation before the IRS. Um, is that the practice of accountancy under Florida law? Yes, it is. The practice of accountancy is governed by a title act. Chapter 473 is a title act in Florida, which means that the practice of the attest function is, can only be practiced by a certified public accountants. So then, then a lawyer who represents people uh, in, in tax matters is practicing accounting? Not necessarily, because the definition of the practice of public accounting in Florida has two components. The first component is the offering of accounting services or, govern, or consultant management services. The second And tax representation is included among those. If it's within those. The second prong is to also hold yourself out as a certified public accountant. If you are simply a lawyer who is providing those services, unless you are providing the attest function, you may do so. You are not practicing public accounting under Florida law because it is a title act unless you, pro unless you both perform the service. You do, uh, um, doesn't do audit and attest, right? That is correct. That's undisputed. That is correct. I, are you saying to us now that she could do everything that she's doing, the tax representation, if she were merely a lawyer? Yes. Could do those functions? Yes. But if she is also certified, if she holds as a CPA, herself out, she can't. If she holds herself out as a CPA, then she can do those things, but she must adhere to all of the regulations under Chapter 473. It's well, two-pronged Do you, do you have an, what, what, is, what is your evidence that, uh, that she is not adhering to them? 
The, the only thing I gather that's apparent on the face of the record is that she did not separately register her uh, her professional corporation. That is true, and that was alleged in the administrative complaint. And why didn't you? Why didn't the board simply go after her to, to revoke her CPA license because she had failed uh, to register her corporation? We originally did have a charge, or the administrative complaint was amended to add that charge to the the charges against her. However. It was withdrawn because the hearing officer felt that that amendment was untimely. However, the conduct in this case and the speech in this case are inextricably intertwined because of the definition of public accounting. The administrative complaint, as it was... They may be inextricably intertwined, but uh, do you not understand, uh, is, is there any reason, let me put it this way, why the board cannot go after her for failing to, uh, to register her corporation? and fight it out as a matter of fact and fight it out uh, as to the validity of the regulation if she contests it, and I don't know that she does. Yes, they could. Uh, with, without, uh, without raising any First Amendment problem. They could do that as well as what they have done in, in raising the advertising violations here. But in this particular case, what she is doing is advertising that she can provide these services through a professional association, and that professional association is not licensed. That is an unlawful act. This but my understanding is that that wasn't a part of the complaint that was retained before the board. Yes, it was, Your Honor. If you look at um, page 33 of the record, in the allegations that are in the record on paragraphs 8 and 9, it specifically indicates that the respondent provides or offers to provide services to the public through her firm called Sylvia S. Abanez PA, which firm is not licensed by the Florida Board of Accountancy. Are you referring to the joint appendix? No, in the record itself. I don't believe that the administrative complaint is in the joint appendix, but it's on page 32 and 33 of the record. And the My understanding is that the only rulings uh, that were before the board after the complaint was amended was first that the CFP designation was misleading and the second that the CPA designation was misleading. Is that, is that an incorrect statement? No, Your Honor. Those are the conclusions of law that they reached, but the allegations of fact that were part of the complaint also indicated that the respondent holds herself out to the public as a CPA in this unlicensed firm by appending the CPA designation after her name. Well, but if the conclusions of law, which was the basis of the, uh, the board's action, uh, were simply that CPA and, and, and CFP were misleading, why isn't that's, that's all that's before us? No, Your Honor, their conclusion was that her advertisement, because she doesn't comply with this, this requirement, is misleading because she is misleading the public by, by letting the public believe that she is in conformance with the requirements of law when, in fact, she Can you read not. the finding on which you're relying that says just that? It says in the joint appendix, this is a finding as distinguished from a charge. Yes, in the joint appendix, in the final order of the board. Which is found at approximately page 180 and... Approximately? Excuse me, on page 185 of the joint appendix. It specifically indicates that respondent is unwilling to acquiesce in the requirements of Chapter 473 
and Chapter 21A, Florida Administrative Code, by complying with those requirements, which are the requirements in Chapter 473, she does not license her firm as a CPA firm. She is is a CPA. Yes, she is, individually. In In the view of the board, is there any way that she can distinguish herself legitimately from a non-CPA. She's an attorney at law. She advertises as an attorney at law. She's also a CPA. Is there a way that she can present that credential to the public that she is, in fact, a CPA is undisputed? There are two answers to that question, Justice Ginsburg. The first is if she licensed her firm, then there would be no problem whatsoever. The second is if her business card indicated Sylvia Abanez, attorney, CPA, and stopped there, there would also be no problem. The board has absolutely no problem with the designation of attorneys and CPAs together. It is her advertisement of her status in conjunction with the unlicensed firm that makes this advertisement misleading. How does it mislead? It seems to me you confuse the board's power to, uh, to compel um, uh, licensing of the firm with the board's power to prohibit speech because it misleads the public in some detrimental way. How is the public detrimentally m- misled? Let's assume that she's uh, failed to license her, her, full, her whole firm. The public sees CPA. She is a CPA. How has the public been harmed? Because the, the public is allowed to believe that she can offer these services through the professional association that she is advertising when, in fact, that is unlawful. Well, the worst that can happen then is that some member of the public calls up and says, I want you to perform an audit function for me. Uh, And she says, well, my firm is not licensed as a CPA firm, and I can't go that far. I mean, that's the extent of the misleading. If she then goes ahead and says, all right, I will do it, uh, the board may very well have a complaint for her failure to conform to the board's regulations by... Uh, by registering the firm, but I, the, the extent of the possible misleading of the public in your answer, it seems to me, is, is in the suggestion that might lead them to call her up and get a no answer. Your Honor, there are two answers to that. The first is that the disclaimer that she may give by telephone is not in conjunction with the advertisement itself, and the public has already had to take the step to either call no, her or the, go I, to I her think My point was that what you call misleading uh, does not run a very high risk of anybody being seriously misled in any way that's going to harm them unless she goes a further step uh, and starts performing acts which she is not, on, which she is not licensed to do. Uh, and, and your claim is not that she has performed acts, but simply that the advertising is, is misleading. Your Honor, any time that she performs any of the services which fit within the definition of public accounting, which she has indicated she does perform through this firm, she is committing an unlawful act. And the public is misled by believing that they can obtain and do obtain those. But you said she could have on her card attorney CPA. That's what a member of the public sees. Yes. What is it that a member of the public would see differently from her current card than it would see? I mean, if it gets attorney... CPA, it's still going to have the problem if it, well, CPA can audit, so I'll call her up and ask her to audit. I don't see the difference from the public perception in a card that says attorney CPA and a card that says what this card says in terms of misleading or deception of the public. Because the public is led to believe that she can provide these services through the PA, which she in fact cannot do. Through the? Through the professional association. 
and the professional association... Why, that's a very refined misleading. The public is going to think that she can provide the services through the association instead of individually. And this is what the board is protecting the public against? Yes, because there are ramifications that attach to providing your services as a sole proprietor that are different than those... Well, I understand, just to be sure, the, the card, I guess, is at page 5 of the joint appendix, and it gives her name and her, her degrees and so forth, and then says law offices, and then Sylvia S. Ibanez, PA. Now, if after the words law offices, they were a parenthesis and said not engaged in public accounting, parenthesis, then you'd have no problem. That would not be a truthful statement because the board found that she was, in fact, practicing public accounting. You are engaged in accounting if you're, if, you're, if you're an accountant and practice law. If you provide accounting services and well, you Well, not distinctively out, accounting services. Whatever the board chooses to define as accounting services, if you do those acts and are an accountant. Using accounting, accounting skills and you hold yourself out as... I suppose the board could say that just addition and subtraction are accounting skills and that anyone who performs addition and attraction and has a CPA is practicing accounting if it wants. I don't think there's been any interpretation. It hasn't moved to that yet. No, it is not. <laughs> well, so, so, where we, so, so where we are is this. Uh, if John Doe, who is an attorney and not an accountant and who simply advertises that he's an attorney, does exactly what uh, Mr. Barnes is doing, the board has no problem. None at all. All right. But the minute you have a double qualification and you advise the public that you're also a CPA, then that's prohibited. Only if you do so in, in terms of providing those services through an entity that is not licensed, if that entity needs to be licensed. So, so, so what you are, are accomplishing in order to protect the public is not allowing her to disclose her additional qualification. No, and your may, position is that protects the public? She may disclose her additional qualification if she complies with the other requirements of Chapter 473, which she has chosen not to do. And, and, and those other requirements are to get a license for the firm? Yes. Well, she is. I, I'm sorry. What, what is entailed in getting a license for the firm? I mean, are there qualification examinations for the firm that are different for, from her individually? She has to submit an application, pay a fee of $150, and she has to provide proof of insurance for the Professional Service Corporation, which does, she does, does not have to do individually. Does seeking a CPA license have to provide proof of insurance? No, they do not. Yeah. I take it under no circumstances she, could she uh, uh, add the CFP designation, because as I understand it, one of the regs uh, is that uh, one may not add any term, and I presume any abbreviation indicating a term, with the word certified on it, if the certification is not a state certification. So the, the, the prohibition on that, I take it, is absolute. The prohibition there is only in conjunction with the CPA designation. It is yes. not, um, and that is the only but, I mean, that's, that that's, the, that's the only way she wants to use it. So if she holds herself out as a CPA, assuming she may otherwise do that, um, I take it there are no circumstances in which she could also add CFP. No, that is not true, Your Honor. The rule specifically indicates that if she were to seek approval from the board uh, to do so, and the board were to grant that approval, she could certainly do it. I, the board I, has also... I thought that was under a separate section. I don't have it no. in front of me. That, that applies to the, uh, to the prohibition against using the term certified? Yes, Your Honor, it does. It's on page 2... Oh, 09 of the joint appendix. 
The board Wait, which, which section is the um, um, uh, provision for board approval of a deviation here? Is that under G? I. Actually, it's a combination. I is the one that specifically talks in terms of the term certified. The board order, however, made it very clear that since 1982, the board has interpreted that section as being a specialty designation that if someone sought approval from the board, they may be allowed to do so. In fact, no organization... How has the board made this known? Is, is it in a separate reg or... or um, uh informal announcements? They have, they have formal opinions which are available by public record. It is also, was also a finding of fact by the hearing officer in this particular case. I think it may be provided through their newsletters, which are um, is, is, required. Does the, record, excuse me, does, does the record contain any citation to any formal opinion in which um, it, the board has indicated that I is subject to this dispensation? Yes, and the hearing officer so found. There, yeah, are, there are multiple opinions by the, the board. Does the hearing officer's findings cite one of the, the uh, letter rulings? I, you, I don't want to take a lot of your time if you know. I do not believe that they specifically cite an individual opinion, but they do make the specific finding that the board has since 1982 taken that position. And there were multiple exhibits in this case which were formal opinions of the board that were submitted both by Ms. Ibanez and by interveners in the rule challenge case. In this particular instance, there has been no effort by either the parent organization or by Ms. Ibanez to seek approval by the board. In addition, the, board, the board's opinions have indicated that this is also treated as a specialty designation in many instances, and a disclaimer is available for specialty designations, which would indicate that this is not a specialty that is granted by a government or affiliated with a government entity, whether state or federal. In this particular instance, Ms. Ibanez's advertisement does not have the approval of the board, nor does it have the disclaimer that is required under the rule. Um, this suggesting that had there been a, the disclaimer, which you see is required under the rule, she would have been in compliance? I think there's a great possibility that would be the case. She should seek approval from the board directly, but I think if there had been a disclaimer, we would not be. Well, but if you look at the rule, the regulation on its face, it says in I that use of the, the word certified um, is prohibited. Because of the confusion that is created with the use of the oh, word certified. Okay, but I mean, you're, you're here today telling us don't pay any attention to what the regulation says because maybe she could have done something else and maybe the board would have authorized it. Is that what I'm hearing you saying? No, Your Honor. What I mean, the, board seems, uh, the, the regulation seems clear on its face as a ban. Yes, Your Honor. However, the board has interpreted that these other avenues are available to her and those interpretations are available to the public. I do think, however, that it could be banned in this particular instance because of the confusion that can be generated by the use of exactly the same term in certified public accounting, which connotes state licensure, and the term certified in certified financial planner, which has no government affiliation. And unlike the situation that was presented to this court in Peel, there is no indication on the advertisement at all as to who grants the CFP designation. At least in Peel, you had the designating authority or designating agency revealed to the public. 
in this case, the only member of the public who testified at all regarding the CFP had no idea what it was. So there was absolutely no public knowledge that was demonstrated. Well, that can't be misleading then. I mean, if, if I don't know what it means, I'm not being misled. The only, the only person who's... How can you possibly be misled if you have no idea what it means? I think that while that person didn't know what it was, I think there's still the potential there, at least a potential there, that it is misleading because they clearly knew what certified meant in terms of a certified public accountant. They just didn't know what CFP but her card just doesn't say certified, it says C. I don't know what Maybe that means college or something or other. Could, could somebody who is in an accounting firm advertise, and let's assume it's truthful, on, on the card in the yellow pages, J.D.? Yes. Somebody who is in a, in a firm that's qualified to do audit and attest and all the rest, and that person has whatever is the designation of the accounting firm, and then J.D. That is perfectly permissible. And that's, uh, well, you, you don't care because that's another profession you don't care about. The board does not seek to regulate the practice of attorneys. Can I just go back to an earlier question? Uh, assuming, just for the sake of argument, and maybe more than just for the sake of argument, that the board has these interests and that some of the objectives are perfectly legitimate, why isn't the board sufficiently, and why isn't the public sufficiently protected if the board simply uh, proceeds to revoke the CPA license of the person who does not abide by the rule? I think the public would be protected in that particular instance, and we, the, the proper course in this case would have been to charge her with both. So you can, you can accomplish everything you claim that you ought to be able to accomplish without regulating speech. Not entirely, because because of the very definition of the practice of public accounting as it is defined in Florida, and and Mr. Banya says not well, challenging. Who cares about definitions if she's not using the term CPA? I mean, if 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 you were, if the board is correct, and the board revokes her CPA license, um, and she stops using CPA because she is no longer is one. Uh, then why why does uh, why does an abstract interest in definitional matters uh, help the public one way or the other? You're, the the fact is you can accomplish uh, as much public protection by going after the CPA license uh, as you can possibly accomplish, even on the rosiest First Amendment view to you, uh, of, fact, of trying to regulate speech. If in fact her license was revoked and she quit using the title, then. Yes, that, that interest would be served. And if she didn't quit using the title and she was no longer a CPA, you would have a very different First Amendment case, wouldn't you? Yes, we would. May I ask you a question about the insurance requirement for if you, if you practice yes. as a, a professional corporation? Is it different for a lawyer who practices a, as a professional corporation? Does the Florida Bar require insurance and so forth? I have no idea. You don't? Working for state government, the insurance policy she had with the, <laughs> to protect her from legal malpractice would have been adequate to satisfy your insurance requirement to also uh, say you're a CPA even though you're not practicing accounting. As I indicated, I don't know what the requirements are under the Florida Bar. However, the fact would remain that even if she had that insurance for the purposes of her law practice, the board would never have that assurance unless she actually submitted an application and provided that information to them. Yeah. And they, they would therefore not be performing their regulatory function. If the court has no other questions, we would 
Okay. Thank you, Mrs. Nelson. Uh, Ms. Ibanez, you have four minutes remaining. Uh, could you tell us how one does go about getting a CFP? Yes, Mr. Chief Justice. Uh, there is a comprehensive examination over several days' time. There are um, educational requirements and components. Well, what is the organization that, that gives the designation? It was called up until February the IBCFP. It has undergone a name change. It is now called the Certified Financial Planning Board of Standards. And the Certified Financial Planning Board of Standards uh, has a coordination with multiple universities and colleges and institutions of higher education across the United States, I believe, according to their amicus brief, over 50 at this point, that um, in coordination with the universities, there is an educational component, and at the end of all the educational requirements having been met, then there is a certification component. The Certified Financial Planning Board is a national licensing uh, nonprofit body. It has a federal trademark over the use of CFP and over the use of Certified Financial Planner. And there are code of ethics to comply with, which are also in the record, were submitted in the disciplinary hearing, uh, strict code of ethics. There are also um, um, uh, continuing education requirements uh, to ensure that the CFP licensee continues to stay up to date and continues to stay informed. Is, is your failure to have a uh, CPA um, uh, license for your firm and to comply with CPA requirements, i.e. insurance, an issue that's before this court and that's before the board in its proceedings? No, Your Honor, it's not an issue before this court. Um, Was it an issue before the board? No, Your Honor, those are hypothetical uh, situations that could have been confronted so the board's case. order was not predicated on your failure to comply with requirements for CPAs? As I understand it, no, Your Honor. They also made reference to foregoing certain remuneration. That was also hypothetical uh, at the same record page that, that Counselor uh, Nelson already cited to. These were hypothetical. Uh, in the footnote to that same record reference, it said it could have simply charged petitioner. Indeed, why did it not? In such a confrontation, uh, there would have been some complex regulatory determinations and the Florida bars conflict with the rules and, and the CPA board's rules. And out of that, there would have been some, some um, I'm sure, some rationale. But that did not happen in this case. That is another case for another day. It is not the case before the court today. The court was asking about accounting skills. If I may make reference to one of the informal opinions that is available and the court may make public notice, in 1991, early 1991, CPA Price, business owner, sole business owner of a beauty salon, asked if she could use CPA. She was denied. She was told because she offers services to the public and uses accounting skills, the beauty salon could be engaged in the practice of public accounting. Your Honor, this shows that this is an absolute ban. This, this poor woman, this CPA business owner, who is owning her own shop and is indeed licensed, was told she could not use it. Petitioner is duly licensed as a CPA and is duly licensed as a CFP. She has, she has not refused in any way, shape, or form to comply. There's only one thing she's refused to do. She refuses to refrain from exercising her First Amendment rights. If there are no further questions. Thank you, Mr. Banyas. The case is submitted. The Honorable Court is now adjourned until tomorrow at 10 o'clock.